The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, BLG? Stats, we are 10 ratings away from 100 on the SB Nation NFL Show Apple Podcast page. I'm looking at it right now. Let's get that up to 100 listeners. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, Also, let me rip stats for reading the same review that I read out last week here on the Oddcast on the look ahead. Um, unbeknownst to him, I, don't, I guess he wasn't paying attention when I listened or when, when he was listening to listening air quotes. But uh, that's what we'll do here, though, on the show is we'll read your reviews maybe more than once sometimes, but uh, definitely leave them. And we'd love to see your feedback. Huh? What? You were talking? <laughs> Look, I like to read the good reviews, all right? Leave me alone. So we read it twice. That's, you know, it was really good. If it compliments me, I'm going to read it as many times as possible. That's fair. That's fair. So we now know the teams for Super Bowl 55. It is the Bucks. It is the Chiefs. We're going to get into a little bit of our reactions from the conference championship games. Not a ton, because obviously they were covered on Monday, Football Monday. But we got to get our two cents in. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to look at some top landing spots for some quarterbacks, BLG, because we are headed into an offseason that... It is. It's you know what it's going to be like. It's going to be like an NBA offseason where every day you wake up and your phone, you're going to be like, "This guy's going where? What is going on?" Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I feel like maybe before last year, um, it was kind of just normal that quarterbacks really aren't on the move so much. It's like you look at the free agent quarterback list every year. If your team needs a quarterback, and you're like, "Okay, well, this isn't very inspiring. It's not like we're going to get an option here." Um, but that's different now. That's changed. Like last year, obviously, there was like unprecedented quarterback movement, and this year again, I mean, I'm looking at this list that Adam Schefter put out here. Of uh, he, he, the way he phrased it is like, "There's roughly ten quarterbacks locked into their starting jobs for opening day next year." Ten, uh, and his over under of teams changing quarterbacks is eighteen. That's cr- and he said he's going to take that over. That's crazy. Yeah, that is. I mean. 18 quarterbacks that's more than half the league it's the most important position in sports and more than half the league is like "Eh, let's change it up a little bit but I mean he's got some guys on this list Brandon like Jared Goff is on this list I mean Schefter used the term locked in I I thought if there was a quarterback that was locked in to his current job wouldn't it be Jared Goff with the Rams well the contract not unlike Carson Wentz is certainly prohibitive but I think the uh like What's behind this stats is that I think more than ever, teams are realizing that it doesn't matter if you just have a quarterback, right? Like, like that might not, that's not good enough, especially when you're seeing the guy who's in the Super Bowl now, or I guess really both of the guys, but especially Patrick Mahomes. It's like, what does it matter that you have like a guy who's kind of good uh, if you can't beat the guy who is freaking untouchable? Right. That is the new standard now. You have to look at your team and you have to say, Are we good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't matter what you have. I think that's very well put by you. Freaking Patrick Mahomes. Anyway, um, 
I'm I'm not bitter at all, by the way, that they beat my Niners last year. Nope, not at all. So we're going to look at some landing spots for some quarterbacks. We're going to look at the Eagles have a new head coach. I know you want to talk about that. The Texans still don't have a new head coach. We're going to talk about that. But first, let's react to the conference championship games. And you and I were slacking back and forth during the games, and it was covered on Monday, Football Monday. The cowardice of these coaches knows no bounds, BLG. It's no surprise to me, Stats, that Matt LaFleur is best friends with Sean McVay because they share a lot in common and, I guess, whatever, good at offense. But ultimately, biggest thing that matters is they're total cowards, Stats. I mean, this is pathetic. You're in the NFC Championship game. A Super Bowl is there for the ta- – a trip to the Super Bowl is there for the taking. It's, it's in your grasp, and you just opt not to try – to win the game that's what it always comes down to for me like you can try to win this game you can try to go all out and do everything you can and you're just like nah i'm good i'm okay with losing and clearly matt lafleur and really sean mcdermott both of them uh totally just okay with not winning the game i don't understand from the packers perspective and i tweeted this out on sunday like if you told them at the beginning of the year you sat matt lafleur down and you were like look you're gonna have one shot from the eight-yard line with a chance to potentially tie the NFC Championship game up. Would you accept that or would you not accept that? And I got to believe in that moment, at the beginning of the year, he would say, sure, I got Aaron Rodgers. We'll take that. And yet that exact situation came up on Sunday and he kicks the field goal. And why? Why wouldn't you do that? That's what I don't understand. I feel like these guys go into the game thinking one thing and then... I don't know what happens. I don't know why, but they just completely turtle up and like forget who they have and what the situation is and and what the best thing to do is. Look, I love analytics stats. I'm a, I'm sure you do too. Your nickname is stats. I'm sure that's why you have that nickname is because you love analytics. So, uh, I totally get um, the in a vacuum like the merit for analytics. I like analytics, but when you have Aaron Rodgers. And he's the MVP of the league. Like, does do the analytics argue for taking the ball out of that guy's hands? I don't think so. I, I don't think that's the analytically sound argument. And I think it was more so in the first one um, earlier in the game when the you know Packers kicked the field goal that the analytics actually said they should they should do that and they shouldn't uh, go for it. But even then, I think the numbers were close though. It wasn't even like overwhelmingly favor the field goal. Like it was still close. And if it's close, I mean, come on, put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, give your team the chance to win the game. Um, I, I just totally don't get how these coaches can go into these games, especially, and I think McDermott's is probably more egregious just because it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to beat them by kicking field goals. You say it every week, Stats. Field goals are failures. And in both of these cases, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the only reason that these teams lost these games, but it is absolutely a huge reason. And it is like, it comes down to uh, like, deserved these are deserved losses because again you did not go out and try to do everything you could to win and at the end of the game for the Packers I think it it's bad on the floor for sure it's also bad on Aaron Rodgers because he gets to that third down play and he's got a ton of green grass ahead of him and he said after the game well I thought we'd have another chance on fourth down well that doesn't excuse you Aaron first of all you and your head coach should have huddled up or somebody should have communicated to you in the radio, hey, we're going for it on fourth here. Like, you should have known that ahead of time. But even if you don't, especially if you don't, you run it anyway because even if you don't score, the fact that you're closer makes it more likely, it makes it an easier decision for LaFleur to go for it on fourth down. So to say that you didn't run because you thought you were going to have another shot at fourth, that doesn't excuse you at all. And you trying to throw LaFleur under the bus after the game by saying, well, it wasn't my decision. Like, I'm sorry, you wear part of that too, Aaron. It's it's on both of you. Totally agree about the fourth down thing. Like, if you know, if it's four down territory, then make the fourth down manageable. Like, that's an option for you. It doesn't have to be go for broke. Um, so I totally agree on that point. Uh, beyond the, the fourth down stuff, because I think LaFleur deserves a ton of blame. I mean, yeah, Rodgers, totally. Uh, I mean, look, uh, you, you get those turnovers from Tom Brady, and you don't capitalize on them. That's like that's the game right there. Like, if you can't capitalize on that, then, like, again, you don't deserve to win. If you can't find a way to take those mistakes that were handed to you, 
not even like the, the best interceptions I think I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, the one Tom Brady just overthrows Mike Evans. Um, the other one, too, is just like, what is that? It's like an arm punt. Uh, it reminds me of Brett Favre throwing it up uh, back to Brian Dawkins back like way back in the day. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I think, you know, for as much criticism as we should be giving to LaFleur, I mean, Rodgers owns a lot of it as well. Rodgers owns a lot of it as well. McDermott, like you said, I told RJ on Thursday that the, the Bills should never punt, almost never punt and always go for it. Once you cross the 50, it's four down territory. They did the complete opposite. And look, I don't know if it would have won them the game, but they certainly would have been putting up a more of a fighting chance than they did. So disgraceful showing by the two losers in the conference championship game. Congratulations to the Bucks and the Chiefs. After the NFC championship game, BLG, Aaron Rodgers like just totally blew it up. You know, when things are not going good, Aaron Rodgers does not have a tendency to calm everything down. He usually finds a way to make it worse. And once again, he did because he said that his future was uncertain, that he would have to step away and sort of look at things and examine things to figure out his future with the Packers. Now we find out as of this morning, there's a report that Aaron Rodgers wants a new contract. So maybe this was all about money. Maybe. But it is possible that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. And so we put him on the list. We talked about it earlier. A bunch of quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move. What do you think Aaron Rodgers should do? And if he does move on, what is the perfect landing spot for him? So I don't actually think he's going to be gone until we see it happen. Now, you know, you can kind of say the same same thing about Tom Brady back in the day, but I mean, I'm just looking at the contract here stats, and it's it's 31.5 million in dead money if the Packers trade him, and they're obviously not going to cut him if they cut him. So right there, the contract um, not super uh, amenable to cutting him. Now, if you trade him after June 1st, uh, it's 22.7 million cleared. So a trade after June would be more likely, but it's just like, okay, are the Packers really waiting that long to make a trade? Um, Doesn't seem likely to be. So just from a money perspective, doesn't seem super likely. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going out there and saying that solely for the intention of him being known he doesn't want to be there as much as he kind of is putting pressure on the organization to do to say like hey we need to do more to let me win here because um while Rodgers deserves the blame here for the loss I mean there did the Packers fully maximize Aaron Rodgers this year I think one of the things I, I said going into the playoffs talking about him as an MVP candidate was that part of it made it so much more impressive is they did not do everything they could to help him. They drafted Jordan Love. Um, Their draft overall, they drafted like a running back, A.J. Dillon, right? Like they didn't do like all these – and in free agency, like one of their biggest uh, signings was Devin Funches, who opted out of the season. Like they they did not really do the most they could to help him out. I think, again, that doesn't like take the blame off him entirely. But again, the organization could be doing more. So that's my read on this, I guess, is that – He's not just saying, like, I want out. There's zero chance I'm back. He's putting the pressure on the team to do things to cater to him even more. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to flex his muscle. Um, The crazy thing is when they have dipped their toe into those waters, it's usually worked out for them. Julius Peppers was a good player for the Packers when they acquired him. Charles Woodson, same thing. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. It seems like every time they do it, it works out. I don't know why they don't keep doing it, but – I don't know that he gets moved. The only way he gets moved is if he really forces it. And now that I see this report about the new contract, it makes me think that what he was really talking about there is, hey, I want a new deal. I'm tired of getting basically like the same money Jared Goff is getting. That, that That's insane. I'm about to win another MVP. So maybe they just give him a new contract and this whole thing goes away. But I will say there is a team in the NFC that is ready-made for Aaron Rodgers. They run the same system, they have a ton of offensive weapons, and they have a much better defense than the Green Bay Packers. And I know, I believe you know the team of which I speak, BLG. It's the um, Seahawks? No, I knew it. I knew it. See, I put it on the, on the tee for you, and I knew you were just going to swing and whack me in the head. No, it's the 49ers. Of course it's. 
49ers. He already knows the system because LaFleur runs Shanahan's system. They're loaded with playmakers on offense, way more than he has in Green Bay. It's all set up there. And by the way, if you take Aaron Rodgers off the Packers and you put him on the 49ers, there is no NFC team. Who is the big threat to the 49ers in the NFC if that were the case? The Seahawks. Are they really? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. That's always my answer, just to, just to annoy you, stats. Um, I'm sure RJ would just somehow find a way to, to uh, drop into our conversation here and tell, tell us that the Cowboys would actually still be the best team uh, in the league, and not just even, you know, yeah. over the Chiefs, even. But yeah, I mean, I, I hear that. Um, there's obviously what, like, it feels like there's the. Uh, I, I don't know what the framing like. Sometimes, like, there's that player who just feels like they should have played there. Like, a lot of people, I feel like, always felt like that way in a little bit to rest in peace Kobe Bryant and, with the Sixers, you know, because he, he was from Philly. It's like there's, like, always that elusive connection. Like, it should happen, you know, like, like the stars should align. And, and obviously, that was with Rodgers, you know, and being passed over in the draft and, and being from California. Um, so I feel like you're, you're trying to manifest that in the happening. I'm trying to manifest one of these guys. Look, there's Aaron Rodgers, who we've talked about. There's Matt Stafford, who is literally available. I mean, that is not even speculation. The Lions have said that that is happening. I'm trying to push Stafford to the Niners. Deshaun Watson clearly wants out of Houston. There are reports that no matter who they hire as a head coach, he still is done with those guys. I mean, who wouldn't want a 25-year-old quarterback who's tough as nails and uber talented i'm trying to push any of these guys to san francisco but i mean this is major major quarterback movement that reshapes contenders and pretenders in the entire league my top target here for rogers the one i wrote down and i don't know how realistic it is but we're just going like the top landing spot i guess that we'd like to see for me Aaron rogers to the Patriots stats because look you know the Packers don't want him in the NFC still why are they training him to another NFC team get him out of the NFC get him into the AFC the Patriots need a quarterback uh Bill Belichick might know a thing or two about managing a guy who is a really good quarterback um but also has a strong personality in that way so uh and same thing for Josh McDaniels, obviously the offensive coordinator who was still there so uh that was the top one I wrote down I also wanted to mention the scenario and shout out to SB Nation's uh, James Dater here, who I think wrote about this over the weekend. What if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl here and decides like, all right, you know, I'm out. Like, this is it. Like, this is his peak. He's finally actually going to really retire this time. Well, all of a sudden the Bucks need a quarterback. And who do they come calling for? Aaron Rodgers. That would be interesting because with Bruce Arians, they wouldn't throw a pass under 15 yards the entire season. It would just be Aaron Rodgers chucking the ball up to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronk if he's still there. Although I wonder if Gronk just walks away after the Super Bowl either. But that would be fascinating. And maybe the Bucs are like, hey, forget this drafting a guy. We will just find whoever the old quarterback is that can still sling it and bring him in every single season. That would be interesting. Now, I don't know what the Bucs would have to give up to acquire Aaron Rodgers, but... It would be fascinating, but if the Packers are not going to trade him to the Niners in the NFC, are they going to trade him to the Bucks? Probably not. No, it's, it's a it's a long shot thing, but it's just I, I thought that was interesting. That's the new market inefficiency stats is finding the future Hall of Fame quarterback and, and trying to trying to get him on your team in a win now mode. Um, you mentioned Stafford earlier, though. And I think that's something we've been talking about right throughout the season was like it just feels like both sides here kind of need a fresh start. And I actually respect Detroit. I mean, maybe it's not totally up to them since he apparently wants out, although they did say it was mutual over the weekend. I think that's the right move for Detroit because I just I think it's time to reset here with Dan Campbell and it's a new era. And I look, it's dangerous because when you're moving on from a guy like Matt Stafford, there's no guarantee the next quarterback you get is going to be anywhere as good as he has been because for as much as he hasn't had, you know, some massive playoff success or anything, he's been at least like very competent and he hasn't been a disaster, which, you know, uh, like that's not always a given, you know, look at the Cleveland Browns for a long time. So uh, there's that risk, but there's also the upside of getting even more. Um, so I think it makes sense for them. 
And it's been thrown out there already, but I think the the number one landing spot that I would like to see for Matt Stafford is the Colts. Like I can already envision Matt Stafford just wearing that Colts uniform. Obviously, Lions, Colts both wear blue. There's something about it. I just think that makes a lot of sense. Um, just age wise, too. You know, you're you're getting a little bit younger from Philip Rivers, and but you still have enough there to to kind of have a window for you know a few years here uh, under Frank Reich. You know, I think the Colts um, obviously have had bad luck with the quarterback position. They get Andrew Luck in. He has one of the better years of his career. He retires shortly before the season. They have to go with Joby, Kobe Brissett. They realize he's not an answer. They have to bring in Philip Rivers on the last his very last legs, and they do okay. But ultimately, you know, their ceiling was limited with him. I think with Stafford, um, that excites me. Go, him going to the Colts, I think that's that's the right fit. The Colts are super attractive for a quarterback. Like, if you're a quarterback, is there a an offensive line you would rather play behind than the Colts? I mean, they're incredible. And for a guy like Stafford to just be like, hey, I can just sit back and read a defense and kind of go through my reads here. This is pretty good, especially for an older quarterback. Like you mentioned, it is an, an incredible landing spot. I do think they they need a few more weapons like the ghost of T.Y. Hilton is not enough there, but they can get those. I think Chris Ballard, you know, he recognizes that he just strikes me as a guy. He just gets how to build a football team. I think that the Colts are an absolutely great attraction for Matt Stafford. And to be honest, like you have to nail it because the AFC is a meat grinder right now. You've got Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, obviously Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Like you need this level of quarterback to even have a chance to compete in the AFC. So I expect the Colts to be very aggressive I agree. I don't see them just like trying to draft the guy and make it work. I agree with you. I think they're going to make a hard charge after Matthew Stafford, and he would be a good fit there. Defense is good, too. So like it's not like all the pressure is on him um, to be some elite offense. I think they can be pretty good. Um, I also had the 49ers for Stafford, I'm sure, because you've talked about that. You would like to see that. But um, going on like the Lions side of it, I think they're going to have a pretty good market here for him. I mean, this is a guy who I think like so many teams should be after. I mean, like if you're Washington – I feel like Washington should go hard after Matt Stafford. They're just pretty much a quarterback away, right? I mean, for the most part, I mean, they would easily, I think they would easily be, you know, the team to beat in the NFC East if they could get like a Matt Stafford and, and just find someone um, who, who upgrades the quarterback position in a big way for them from where they are right now. The big three guys that we're talking about here are Watson, Stafford, and Rodgers. Watson is obviously, he's the youngest guy. He's going to be the hardest to get. Rodgers is still really good, but he's 37. I feel like Stafford is like the medium option, right? He's a guy who's, I think he's 32 years old, still playing at a very high level, and he's not going to, you're not going to have to give up three first round picks to get Matt Stafford. So I feel like anybody that needs a quarterback is going to be in on Stafford. Like if you are, you know, a team like the Jets, the Jets are not going to be interested in Aaron Rodgers because they're still building up their roster. But everybody's in on Matt Stafford, I feel like. He is the medium option. I feel like two first-round picks probably gets it done for Matt Stafford, don't you? It's, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a significant price. Like, it's going to have to be, just, again, because of the market. I mean, you know, the Colts, I think, would they give up their first-round pick? I think in a heartbeat they would do that trade. Why wouldn't you? I mean, like, you need the quarterback. What else are they going to do? Like, what else is, what's the alternative? So, uh, yeah, I don't – maybe not even two firsts. I don't – it's at least one first. I mean, we know it starts there. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, Watson – or you mentioned the Jets, though, stats. And – I think that's where Deshaun Watson has to go. I mean, that's where apparently, reportedly, he wants to go. And I think Miami was like his his second destination. And for as much as I would love to see uh, Deshaun Watson on the Dolphins, like I guess not fully ready to believe that they're going to give up on Tua and do that. And really, I, I don't think it matters um, where he wants to go. Like in terms of the Jets have everything it takes to get him like other than the Jags if the Jags really wanted Deshaun Watson, which I, you know, we just, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, they have the number one overall pick. I'm assuming they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. If the Jags really wanted Deshaun Watson, they could probably find a way to get him. But then again, you know, Deshaun has the no trade clause. So he could just say, no, I'm not going there. But um, I think the Jets make the most sense then. If he if he wants to go there, they have all these assets, the two first round picks this year, the number two overall pick. Like, how do you not want that if you're Houston? You're realizing that, well, we probably can't keep Deshaun. This is going to be the best thing we can get for him. 
And I think that would be great. I think that would be, I mean, it's him in a quote unquote bigger market in terms of New York. I think New York football scene is overrated, but that's a whole other story. Um, so Shocker, I, I would like to see that. Covers the Eagles thinks that the New York football scene is overrated. It is. It's it's just so like there's this idea like, oh, it's tough to play in New York. First of all, it's not even really New York. It's North Jersey. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. None of the NFC East teams, fun fact stats, actually play in their city. Did you know that? I did not know except, that. Except for the Eagles. The Eagles oh, play in okay. Philadelphia. It's true. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, no, wrong. Arlington uh, Cowboys, New York Giants, wrong. East Rutherford, North Jersey, New Jersey Giants. And then Washington plays in Landover, Maryland. So there you go. Here's the thing, though, with Watson and the Jets. First of all, the Jets should absolutely make the move because I believe they can give up four first-round picks and it have it would only really affect their draft for two years, right? Because they have two firsts this year and two firsts next year. So they should do that. That should be a no-brainer. The thing is, what is Deshaun Watson getting out of that? He's going to the Jets, who have the worst skill position players around him. Like, I don't even know if I could... Was it Jeremy Curley? Is that like the best receiver the Jets have? I mean... It is. is he still there? <laughs> it's. I don't even know. That's the thing. He's I not. don't know. If you told me you played receiver for the Jets, I'd probably believe you. So mm-hmm. is that really great for him? Now, obviously, they would try and build it up around him. But in terms of just like immediate fortunes, the Jets are not like I think the Jags actually would be a better place for him to go immediately. At least they've got some guys around him that can make some plays. The Jets have nothing. They do have the third most cap space in the league. So they have, you know, the assets and free agency to kind of spend and buy around him. Now, obviously, um, trading for him will take out some of that cap space. They'll have to pay for him. Um, Yeah, so I get it. I think that's a fair argument in terms of it's not a a lot of great pieces there that the Jets have. And if you're trading all those picks, well, then you're losing the the tools to get those young players and and building blocks. Um, But... I still like the Jets for him. I hope they find a way to do it. Um, obviously, it would be their best quarterback in forever. It would be exciting, be, bring some excitement to the Jets. And I want to see it happen. So that's why it's my top spot. The Saints would be a great landing spot for any of these guys. The problem is they are just in a hideous situation. They are, I believe, $95 million over the cap. Now, Drew Brees is going to retire, so that'll help a little. But like, even though I think they would be a great spot, they have an offensive head coach, you know, a, a solid roster. I just don't see how they can make that work. Yeah, they're gonna have to stick with Jameis, right? Basically, and and taste him. I know you you and uh, RJ were talking about that with his conspiracy theory last week, yeah. <laughs> um, which I want to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I mean that stinks for them. I mean, but what can you do? I mean, like, and and it's even more than what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm looking at it here over the cap. They're 112 million dollars over the cap which is insane because the next closest team by comparison is my eagle stats who are only 53 million over so more than twice the next closest team uh, in terms of cap space yeah so they're stuck um hey maybe they should throw some money at uh like by money i mean very minimal amount at taylor haneke and <laughs> and try to and try to do something crazy take a flyer in someone but um yeah what else are they going to do that yeah, and that's a shame if you're a Saints fan. I mean, you've had this you've had this run where you've been a contender every year, which to me, I, and I've said this, if it costs you a couple seasons here and there to go on the kind of run that they've been on, I think it's worth it. It's just now, you know, they're paying the piper, so to speak. So they they're probably not in contention for any of these guys. Um, so your top landing spot for Watson, you said, is the Jets. Stafford is the Colts, mm-hmm. and Rodgers is the Patriots. Right, the Patriots. That's going to be interesting because they never seem to stretch themselves sort of too thin, like for a quarterback. They just picked up Cam Newton, paid him a million bucks, and they were like, ah, whatever, we'll see what happens. I don't see them reaching for anybody, but they've also haven't been in this situation in two decades, so we don't really know. Well, that and, you know, Belichick's only getting older here. Like, what if he's kind of seeing his, like, his time kind of come into the end of his, you know, reign kind of coming into focus here. Right like, the end of the tunnel? Oh, yeah. It's like, I want to make one last run at this. I'm not, like, drafting some rookie or something, you know, trying to worry about the future. Like, we have to cast these chips in now. I think part of the Cam thing, too, was they realized this was probably just always going to be somewhat of a lost, lost season between, like, all the opt-outs they have 
they had um, due to COVID and just a weird year in general. And, you know, coming off of Brady, you know, I think it was kind of like we're not really going to actually go all out to win this year just because it's too weird. Um, But I think they could kind of shift that focus now. I think you convinced me. I think I'll go Buccaneers top spot for Rodgers, assuming Brady walks away, which we have no idea. I'll take the Lions as the top, uh, the Lions, the 49ers as the top spot for Matthew Stafford. And I mean, Deshaun Watson, honestly, like wherever he goes, <laughs> wherever he goes, he, every, almost every team in the league could use him. And he's such an upgrade that it, it almost doesn't matter what's around him because he's going to make you like he can take a five win team and make it a team that's competing for a playoff spot just because of who he is. The thing with Watson, too, is like, you know, you're drafting a quarterback at, at number two, let's say, if you're the Jets. But, like, you don't know if that guy's going to be any good. And the advantage is, if he is, he's on a rookie contract. But, like, Deshaun Watson is young. Um, he's going to be on a fair contract relatively once you trade for it. And you're not even, like, taking on all the guarantees that the Texans have, are dealing with. He's only 25. Like, <laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty good, rare opportunity to get a quarterback this talented, this young. Like, it's just so obviously worth it to me. 100%. And I've said this to 49er fans on the Niners podcast because I've been screaming that you should shut up about trading three first-round picks or four first-round picks. And the example I always give is, you know, if I said the 49ers could trade for Deshaun Watson for A.J. Jenkins, Kentuan Balmer, and Rashawn Woods, of course you would do it. Well, all those dudes were first-round picks. Like, just because you're trading a first-rounder doesn't mean you're giving up a Hall of Famer. That's the thing that fans have to get over. So, if, you're, if your team does it and they make the plunge, be happy. Do not be afraid. It is a good thing. Okay, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we want to get to a couple of head coaching situations. Philly and Houston, the Eagles have a new head coach, BLG. I want to hear your thoughts on it. And then we can try and figure out just exactly what the Texans are going to do. And frankly, whether or not it matters. Welcome back to the Oddcast, part of the SB Nation NFL show here. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero with Brandon Lee Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation. And you and the nation have a new head coach, Brandon, Nick Sirianni. Here's what I know about Nick Sirianni. He was with the Colts and he has a history with Frank Reich. And I guess that's good for Philly. What do you think? Well, it's funny stats because remember this news dropped last week, the interview, the news that the Eagles were interviewing him dropped last week during the podcast. And it was funny at the time because I was like, man, they're going to hire Josh McDaniels. What is this team doing? Um, so thankfully they didn't do that. I think that's one of everyone's big takeaways from the Nick Sirianni hire is like, at least he's not Josh McDaniels. Um, so uh, good place to start. I think it's a fine hire. The, the, the way I described it stats is I felt like whelmed. By the hire, not overwhelmed, not <laughs> underwhelmed, just completely just whelmed. Like, okay, this seems fine, reasonable. It's kind of weird in the sense of he kind of almost seems like a younger Doug Peterson in terms of like kind of more player friendly coach. Apparently, he's a little bit more intense, but like this isn't like some total offensive mastermind genius kind of guy. Like, that's that's the background you're selling. Like, that's what on the flip side you kind of would be getting in Josh McDaniels. Like, that that would be the sell there. Um, so. And obviously, you know, just totally different temperament as well from Doug Peterson and a Josh McDaniel. So and in a bad way to me, but just a different thing. So it's kind of interesting. The Eagles didn't really go for a different thing as much as they kind of went for the same thing, but a younger guy. And so far, we've seen Sirianni's hires. A lot of them are also younger. So it's like basically they are showing through at least the coaching staff that they do want to make this more of a long term thing as it's trying as opposed to trying to just kind of win, win again or win now again. Um, so overall, like, I think there are things that where you can look at and be like, okay, this is a relatively encouraging profile. The Colts have obviously had some levels of offensive success. Not great, but they've also had to deal with the quarterback situation that I, you know, I talked about earlier with Rivers and, and Luck and, and uh, Brissett. So um, I think it's fine. Uh, I just, again, I think it's so naive to think that this is the biggest issue with the franchise. Like you get Nick Sirianni and that fixes all that's wrong with the team. Like the personnel department still very concerning Carson Wentz. This idea that Nick Sirianni is going to come in and fix him is just so like, I just think again, naive is the word I would use to describe that because Carson Wentz, first of all, needs to fix himself. And also Nick Sirianni doesn't have some like great track record of being this quarterback guru. Like Philip Rivers made the pro Bowl stats three out of the four years before Sirianni became his Pro Bowl coach. He then made it zero times in the two years that Sirianni was his Pro Bowl coach. And then he made it three years 
in a row right after Sirianni was no longer his quarterbacks coach who had been, he had been moved from quarterbacks coach to wide receiver. So uh, yeah. Two questions for you. One was all it took to get the Eagles job. Me walking into Howie Roseman's office and saying, yeah, I can fix Carson Wentz. Cause it kind of feels like they were going to hire whoever told them that considering they just fired Doug Peterson because of his broken relationship with Carson Wentz. It's weird because that's the messaging that has been put out there by, you know, a lot of these national reporters, Mike Garofalo, um, Ian Rapsheet or Ian Rappaport, sorry. Uh, like that's the messaging we're seeing. But at the same time, we're also seeing that put out here that like Carson Wentz doesn't feel totally, uh, I guess the phrasing here that came off um, from, from Garofalo on Monday morning was Carson Wentz still feels a little bit off in his relationship with the entire organization. So uh, it doesn't even seem like Carson Wentz is like fully on board still, even though they have a new head coach and everything. And my read on that is that like, I, I think he wants assurances. I think he wants potentially maybe like Jalen Hurts gone entirely. I think he wants the team to be like, hey, you're the starting quarterback no matter what, which is ridiculous <laughs> for a quarterback who played like the worst starter in the league last year to be like demanding that and have the clout to do that. But at the same time, like I can't blame, like the Eagles deserve blaming this too because they've created this monster. They've given this guy this kind of power and this kind of clout and, and allowed him to think this way. So I don't know for sure that like they're even fully sold in Carson Wentz. I think they want to try to make it work because it would be the most ideal situation if they could just get him back on track and they could make that contract, you know, good again. But I don't know that they think that's super realistic and it's kind of like they're, they're hoping it will be, but they know it might not be possible. That sounds like a situation that is going to be just completely blown up in a couple of years, to be honest with you, like <laughs> a couple more years when they can get out of the Wentz deal and that's it. Howie will finally be gone and maybe Sirianni will be gone. Like I, it doesn't strike me as a situation that's going to grow into a successful thing. I hope I'm wrong, but that's sort of my 10,000 foot view on it. Let's go to Houston now where they are the last team to hire a head coach. And I have said that I don't think it's fair that the Houston Texans could be this poorly managed and still be able to hire a coach who I think is going to be as good as Eric Bieniemy. Like that should not be your reward for being a dumpster fire is, hey, you get what I think is one of the best candidates on the market to be your head coach. And that could happen because Bieniemy is still out there. Nobody else hired him. It's been a very odd coaching search for the Texans. Very odd offseason for the Texans. I mean, you have the news late last week that like Josh McCown, who is under contract for the team as a player this season, <laughs> getting you know like a head coaching interview and i like josh mccown i actually think he'll be a good head coach one day but like he has no coaching experience outside of coaching his son's high school last year and he, he wasn't even doing that like full time he was actually playing for the eagles and he would take a flight after the eagles practice on fridays down to charlotte i think or wherever he was in north carolina and coach the team that night and then he would take a, a plane right back up to philly to be you know back in time for the game or to travel with the team to a game so uh really weird it sounds like you know the enemy um david cully from the ravens um in the mix there leslie um, Frazier. also yeah leslie Frazier from the bills so um <laughs> i mean it seems like not i mean it's like what we've been saying like who wants this job i mean if those are the guys you're going for it doesn't even seem to me like why would the enemy take that job i mean maybe because um you know it's a head coaching job and given how other teams have been seemingly reluctant to hire him maybe it's his chance um but it sounds like watson wants out like no matter what so yikes yeah that's the key for me if if i'm eric Bieniemy, i find a way to contact deshaun watson and i say look if I take this job, are you going to stay or are you just done? Because if he says he's going to stay, it's worth it for Eric Bieniemy to take that job. If it's offered to him and we have no idea if it's going to be. But if it's not, if Watson says I'm done, don't take this job. If I'm Bieniemy, I say thanks, but no thanks. There's going to be, what, five, six head coaching openings next year. And why would you leave the situation with Patrick Mahomes? To me, Bieniemy is only going to become more in demand. It's, it, unless Mahomes falls off a cliff or gets hit by a bus, people are not going to stop wanting Eric Bieniemy and talking about him. So to me, if Watson wants out, I say, you know what? I'm sticking with the Chiefs. We're we're going to win back to back Super Bowls here, and that's it. I'm going to do what's best for me, and maybe he can, you know, get a raise out of the Chiefs out of this if possible. 
We've talked a lot about where is Deshaun Watson going to go, but we have not talked about what do the Texans do at quarterback if they do move on from Deshaun Watson. Obviously, if they can get the number two overall pick, let's say, then okay, then you can draft someone. You'll have that option too there. But like, but what if they don't? Or what if even they do and they want to bring in a veteran too? I think it just hit me stats. I know who is going to be the Texans week one starter next year because it just kind of fits in terms of getting like the undesirable head coach. They're also going to get the undesirable quarterback. And that's right. Mitch Trubisky <laughs> is going to be your week one starter for the Texans next year. Um, I, I feel bad saying that because I think Texans fans have clearly been through the ringer here with a lot of this stuff. I think they deserve better than uh, the way their organization is handling things. And Jack Easterby is kind of being a disaster over there, leading to a disaster in Houston. Um, but sorry, I think that's like, I think that's part of it. I think it's like, it's going to be another disastrous move. They're going to try to sell it too. Like, oh, look at this guy, you know, uh, you know, four number two overall pick. Like he's really good. So uh, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Stats. It wouldn't stun me at all. I don't even know. Mitchell Trubisky shouldn't even be in the NFL next year, and somebody's going to give him a lot of money, either to start or to be a backup. Uh, really? Like, why? I mean, because some some of your backups in the NFL are probably worse. I mean, would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Mullins? See, I knew you were going to go there, but that's the thing. Just because you found another guy that shouldn't be in the NFL – doesn't mean Mitch's standing is any better. Like, okay, I'm not the worst quarterback that's in the league right now. That doesn't mean I deserve a job, too. So, I don't know. <laughs> if if Trubisky goes to the Texans, it wouldn't stun me at all. Dysfunctional organizations do dysfunctional things. And teams don't lose games by accident. And Houston seems to find a way to just continue to do dumb things. And I, I have no confidence. I have zero confidence in the Houston Texans to... One, make a good trade involving Deshaun Watson if it comes to it. And two, make a good head coaching hire. We know we do the SB Nation reacts. And I got to imagine that the confidence level on the Texans is at the bottom of that graph. It's just a straight line. I mean, I can relate, you know, with where the Eagles are right now. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's part of the thing. Like, there's all this attention that gets uh, put into, like, who's the head coach going to be? Guess what? It doesn't matter because if the front office is going to be making terrible decisions, then, like, you could get – you could luck into – and, again, we've talked about, like, coaching hires can be crapshoots. Like, you could hire someone and, like, you think, like, they're going to be great. You know, they come from this great background and then they stink. And kind of same thing with, like, Doug Peterson, flip it around, like – not very inspiring hire at the time it happened, won a Super Bowl. So you don't know always, and maybe whoever the Texans hire will actually be a good coach, but how far is that really going to go? Like, I guess maybe it, can, it could, in theory, and same thing with the Eagles, really. I think it can get them to the playoffs, but are you really building, like, a sustainable winner season after season? I just I can't see how you're doing that. I think, uh, like, you could – raise the uh the floor of the team with a good head coaching hire but you're the, the ceiling is still going to be capped out ultimately and that's what kind of uh like you just, where's the hope you know where's the hope at that point like I, I think that's something that eagles fans and texans don't have right now is hope what you're talking about is succeeding despite your process and when that's what you have to hope for you're in trouble because like you said you may be able to do that every once in a while but there's no way you're going to be able to overcome a broken process again and again and again to maintain winning. And that's that's just what we've seen in, in all sports, really. NFL, baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter. If your decision-making process is broken, you can't overcome that. And the only way to fix it is to change the people who are making the decisions. And the Eagles and the, and the Texans don't seem to want to do that. They don't, and that's where the apathy starts to set in too. Like it's it's really weird, Stats. The Eagles hired a head coach last week, and it didn't even feel like there's like the same kind of buzz that there was certainly when the Eagles hired Chip Kelly. I mean, everyone was like thrilled and excited about that, and that was a big deal because you know Andy Reid had been uh, the coach for a long time, so he's finally gone. And then Doug Peterson, uh, same thing, and a lot of people were mad; they weren't excited, but there was still like buzz and energy, and and people were talking about it. He was hiring Nick Sirianni last week, and it feels like okay, so what? Like, and that's just such a crazy place for me, especially to, to be in. Cause I've never seen Eagle Sands. I feel like care less about the team. Now, obviously, you know, there's the diehards. I'm not going to say like, they're just going to stop watching the games entirely, but the same fervor, the same passion, it is just, it's not there from what I'm seeing stats. I went through the Eagles mentions on Twitter yesterday, which 
dangerous place yeah. to be. But because, um, you know, they were tweeting all these videos of Nick Sirianni arriving to the Novacare complex in Philly. And every reply is just like, fire Howie Roseman, fire Howie Roseman. Fire. It's like every <laughs> single reply. And it was the same thing when Jeffrey Lurie had his press conference, uh, which I think they like they stream on Periscope or whatever. And every comment was like, fire. like fans are not dumb. Like, I think that's something that these NFL teams have not caught on to because I think they're, you know, of the old guard. These They're these older people. They're maybe not on social media. Like, they don't have the pulse, I think, of these younger and smarter fans who can really see what's wrong with the team. I don't think it is like it potentially used to be where probably like in the days where the newspaper was king, like the head coach is probably crushed more. He's more visible than the GM. You know, I think the executives like probably weren't even as well known as they are now because, you know, there's just like there's more access to everything. Um, So I think that's something that teams don't realize is like how quickly these fans can become apathetic to everything. And that's dangerous. That's where you don't want fans to be because when they tune out, they're not buying tickets. They're not giving your team attention. Like that's the worst place to be. It's it's even worse than being just people being mad because if people are mad. At least they're they're tuned in. They care. But uh, I think that's kind of what it's turning to here. I think it's a very dangerous spot for the Texans and the Eagles both to be. Right. It's like uh, the line from the Howard Stern movie back in the day. It was like, hey. Who Howard Stern's got his diehards, but who listens to him the most? Oh, the people that hate him the most because they want to see what he's going to say next. Like hatred and love both come from a place of passion. And that's what you want as a as an organization. You want passionate fans. Like you said, when your fans just don't care, then you become, you know, the Panthers. Then you become... <laughs> I hate to say the Chargers. I mean, they couldn't even fill up that 30,000 seat stadium. That's apathy. That is the result of years of mismanagement and just screwing things up. And to get the Philadelphia fan base apathetic, that is hard to do. Like, you can't do that by accident. And look, if Sirianni comes in and wins, he's going to win people back. That's ultimately what matters. It's just, you know, again, hard to have faith in it happening. And like you said, it's like you're rooting against, um, like you're just rooting for the outcome, good outcome, despite bad results. And it's just like, you know, that's not going to be the the great thing, the greatest thing over time. It might work out. It might even be comparable to what the Eagles did with Doug Peterson, because I don't think they use the best process in terms of hiring him. They wanted Ben McAdoo. That's the guy they wanted. They're going to hire him. And uh, they basically had to settle for Doug Peterson and it worked out, but that doesn't, but then also at the same time, it ultimately didn't work out in terms of sustainable success over the long run. So I think that's what, you know, both of these franchises are again, it's the spot they're in. It's unfortunate. Um, it, and it, it's just like, I don't know what to say because you, like, you try to find that silver lining, but when you see these guys who are in charge, like a Jack Easterby, like a Howie Roseman, there's no indication they're even like on the hot seat. Like even at the point, or the Texans could lose their starting quarterback because he wants this guy gone and they won't do it. Like, it's just insane. It's like, well, what's even the point of me caring? Like, if this guy, this one person in the organization is going to be so infallible and there's going to be no accountability, like, why should I care? What's the point? Like, what is the point here? The only thing that you have when your team isn't winning is the hope of change. And if the hope of change is taken away, there is no point in caring because you're just going to get hurt again, again, and again. So until that changes, I totally get why fans would be apathetic about what is going on in Houston. That is going to do it for us, BLG. Conference Championship Week, do we want to make quick Super Bowl picks, or do you want to wait till next week because we're going to have next week also? Um, well, I just want to say stats. I feel like I owe a little bit here to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, you know, I've, uh, I've called them out all season long, even as recently as Sunday night where got a lot of, a lot of uh, feedback here on a certain tweet that I put out that was talking about how it must be nice for Tom Brady to go through Taylor Henneke, a former XFL backup quarterback, beat a quarterback who can't even play anymore in the NFL, clearly, like physically can't throw anymore in Drew Brees, and then faced a head coach, a, a good quarterback, obviously, MVP of the league, but a head coach who wouldn't even put the ball in his hands and was not actively trying to win the game, in my opinion. So very nice for Tom Brady. But look, uh, I admitted I was a hater. Because I feel like it's not incumbent on me, Stats, to bow down to the Patriots. Like, everyone's like, oh, you have to respect them or respect Tom Brady. No, I don't need to do that. No one is making me do that. I can do whatever I want. I can be a, a fan of the game. I can, I can appreciate this or, or not appreciate this how I want. But here's what I'm going to do to the Bucks, Stats. There is no way. And look, Tampa Bay fans, if you're listening to this, 
just remember, there's no way your team is going to lose the Super Bowl. 100% lock. The Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. There's no question. It's it's going to be a blowout even. The game's not going to be close. The Bucks are going to win this thing. Zero doubt in my mind. It's a lock. I have lost all respect for you right now because here's what you're doing. You're trying to put the whammy on the Bucks, <laughs> But if somehow the Bucks end up winning, you're going to be the same guy breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back for picking the blowout. Like, I have lost all respect for you now. That is it. I'm just putting myself in a win-win situation. <laughs> I can't even do the show next week. Like, that is <laughs> unbelievable. No, I – look. The Bucks are here, regardless of whatever you think of all that, regardless of your hatred, BLG. They are there, and I don't think they're winning, certainly, but they deserve credit for getting there because getting to a Super Bowl is hard. Yeah, and I didn't argue against that. I'm not saying, like, they don't deserve credit. And, look, I've seen Tom Brady up close and personal in practice. He came to an Eagles training camp practice one time. I think I might have told this story in the podcast before. But if I haven't or if I have, bear with me. Like, it was amazing. It was the most incredible thing, like, I've ever seen in my life. Like maybe at least sports wise, um, like it, it was just I couldn't believe how like every single practice rep was like perfect. The ball I've never seen like such accuracy in my life. Like you know I was watching Michael Vick and Nick Foles here for most days in training camp, and they're battling it out. And you know like whatever, it's one guy has a good day, but like Tom Brady came in as like a whole different level. It, like doesn't even look like they're playing the same sport. There was this guy on Eagles named Curtis Marsh stats. And Tom Brady basically said, I'm going to end that guy's career here. He was having like a good training camp, this cornerback for the Eagles before Tom Brady came in. And then Tom Brady just like beat him on every single rep. So I know how good Tom Brady is. I've seen it. Um, I was, I saw the Super Bowl uh, 52 in person too. He was amazing. Although he obviously lost um, stats. I would love to see the Bucks lose, which is absolutely why I'm putting the jinx on them and taking them <laughs> to win. Uh, look, if Tom Brady loses the Super Bowl stats, there will be, this is what will be true. This is a statement that we can say. No quarterback in NFL history has lost more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. So that's what's on the line. I don't ding quarterbacks for Super Bowl losses. Like, <laughs> no, like, like Jim Kelly, right? Oh, he lost four Super Bowls. He got to four Super Bowls. You know how hard it is to get to four? And he got to four straight. Like, I don't ding guys for that. You get to the Super Bowl, like, that's a that's a credit to you, not a knock. Unless you completely gack it up like Russell Wilson, I don't really ding you too much for a lost Super Bowl. To me, just getting there is is more of a credit. I didn't say – I didn't make a judgment on it one way or the other. I'm just saying it's objectively true. If he loses the Super Bowl, he will – no other quarterback will have lost more Super Bowls than him. You can you can make of that what you will. You can say it's good, it's bad. It's just the objective truth of the situation. Oh, you're one of those uh, – Rex Grossman has as many NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers. Nick Foles has as many Super Bowl rings as Aaron Rodgers. You're one of those like true facts guys. I mean, look, I like facts that are true as opposed to, you know, some kind of like alternative facts or fake facts here. But uh, I'm not making a judgment stats. I'm just I'm pointing out a fact. It's, it is what it is. I'm not saying this means something. It doesn't mean something. I'm just saying what it is. That's the kind of analysis you get here on the iPad. <laughs> we'll, we'll spew some more facts for you next week. We hope to have a bunch of guests lined up for you for Super Week. It is going to be it's going to be a fantastic week. There's going to be a ton of storylines. We will have a ton of time to dive into the Super Bowl itself. Enjoy a nice little week off here, and we will be back next week.